Hello, everybody. Remember to subscribe, rate, and comment. Tell a friend to check us out on all podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. Also, you can listen and check out the blog at inthetrenchespodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at In the Trenches Podcast, Facebook, In the Trenches with the Two Lines, and Twitter, Trenches Podcast. You are now jumping into the trenches with the Two Lines, Thule and Ralph, where we pull back the curtain on what marriage and relationships are really about. So let's start the show. Hey everyone, it's Ralph. And this is Thule. And we're back. For another episode of In the Trenches with the Two Lines. Yes. And... <laughs> And we're not going to take up too much time at the beginning because this one was mad long. Yeah. And we enjoyed it a lot because it pertained to us. So hopefully y'all will enjoy it too, even if it doesn't pertain to y'all. Right. It's about blending families. Yeah. And uh, we were introduced by Joel. What was it? A couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And Joel is like a, I don't know what I say. He's a professional. Family blender. There it is. <laughs> I didn't know how to say it, <laughs> but I guess that's actually very accurate yeah. when you think about it. And speaker. Yeah. So uh, our guest tonight is Joe Hawbreaker. Yes. Hawbaker. Yes. Hawbaker. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and Joel is an award-winning high school teacher. Um, he's also a best-selling author, as well as a professional speaker. And his focus is blended families, as well as leadership. He is passionate about helping other blended families and step families. Learn to live more positively as well as cooperatively together. And I was jealous about this whole conversation because when he explained how he got to where he is and or his family got to where they are with the whole blended, I was kind of like, man, I wish it was just that easy. It is. You have to wait five years or more. (laughs) And that's no shade to anybody. That's just it's difficult to get to a point where you're comfortable. Joel was divorced and then he remarried. And he currently lives in Alabama with his wife, his two daughters, and his two rescue dogs. From Paw Patrol. (laughs) What's up? Just give me one. Chase. But before we get into the episode, let's talk about that money. Hey, Trench Mob. Sharita here with your weekly For the Love of Money tip. Today's tip, the holiday financial blues. Are you already feeling the financial stress of pressure of the upcoming holidays? This is supposed to be a time of joy, peace, and relaxation. Oftentimes it's not. And today we're going to talk about a few ways to banish the holiday blues. Number one, talk to a professional like myself, your money therapist, about how you're feeling to get to the root of the problem. The holidays often can be overwhelming financially because we feel the retail pressure to make the holidays a big financial event. Per an article with CNBC several months ago, 58% of this year's shoppers will still be paying off their holiday debt for more than five months after the season ends. Can you imagine paying for something you bought Black Friday in April? What's more alarming is that the average shopper spends about $1,000. But most people don't even have $400 saved when an emergency happens. This is why it's important to have money conversations frequently, because we can avoid some of these holiday blues through communication and a budget. Skip tradition if it will give you back your personal and financial peace. Trench mob, gifts don't always have to cost money. Just being present with those you love is a gift that will last well past the holiday season. For example, last year, my family and I decided to forego Christmas and decided to save the money to take a family trip together this year. And that's a gift that we all enjoyed and will never forget. Finally, we know the holidays come every year. Let's commit going forward to setting up a holiday fund that you contribute to every single paycheck. That means when the holidays come around, you will have the money saved. If you're buying gifts, shop the sales, use cash for purchases or give gift cards. Remember, this is a season to be jolly, not stressed financially. One more thing, you know, I love to give you guys uh, money resources, Groupon, Living Social and Rakuten are great ways to gift on a budget and even get some cash back while doing so. Questions on this week's tip? Feel free to reach out to me at SharitaMH on IG. Until next week, Trench Mom, as my son likes to say, pray about it, do the work, then get the money. Here's the show. Welcome back to the trenches, everybody. Tonight we have a, a new guest. His name is Joel. How mm-hmm. you doing, Joel? I'm good. Thank you, guys. I'm excited about talking with you. Yes. This is 
I am super interested in your conversation because, yes, again, blended family. Um, just love to hear your perspective on how it has worked for you sure. and, and the struggle of making it work. And the journey. <laughs> so um, let's have him start with his, I guess, first marriage and how we got to sure. being a blended family. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so I've told the story a bunch of times and, um, you know, cause you, you want to always be respectful. Uh, the oh, first yeah. thing that I, that I tell people is that I, every blended family I've ever worked with, talked to, spoken with, um, every blended family is born because of pain, whether that's pain of a previous divorce or pain of, uh, somebody just leaving, or, uh, there's one family I know that their blended family is a result of the mom in the blended family. Her first husband passed away. Oh, right. Gosh. And mm-hmm. so she remarried and she had kids from her first marriage. Her husband had kids from a previous marriage. And so they have his, hers and theirs, right. Right. Uh, you know, and, it, and, and so every blended family comes from some kind of pain, but you still want to be, um, you want to be respectful of the exes when you're telling these stories. Right. So, uh, my, my first wife and I met, uh, we were in high school, got married when I was in college and, uh, we were married for eight and a half years. We had two daughters during that time. Um, actually, uh, found out we were pregnant with my first daughter, the beginning of my senior year of college. We'd been married for just over a year. Uh, so I got married young the first time I was 19 and, um, my entire senior year. So I'm going to school full time, working a full time job, got a pregnant wife. Uh, I was 20, you know, graduated when I was 21 and, um, you know, life was good, but it was busy. And, uh, uh, I guess about eight years, seven and a half years later, something like that. Uh, seven years later, my, um, my dad got sick with, uh, with terminal cancer. And mm-hmm. so we moved home and, um, things started to go downhill when dad got sick, got mm-hmm. worse after he passed away. Uh, that's not the cause for my divorce, but it definitely didn't help because it changed who I was. Right. And, um, so she and I, she and I divorced after eight and a half years of marriage, uh, about five years after we divorced, she got remarried in the fall and I got remarried about six months later. So we've both oh. been remarried for about five and a half years now. Uh, actually, I guess hers will be six coming up next month. Um, and she's got a son with her second husband. They've got a four-year-old toddler. So our girl's little brother, um, my second wife and I, don't have any kids. We have two giant dogs. Um, and so currently our situation is one where our girls go back and forth each week. So they spend a week with me, week with their mom. We live about a mile and a half down the road from each other. Oh, okay. We, we live in a very small Alabama town, about mm-hmm. 20, 25,000 people. So everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everybody's business. And, and with a last name like ours, Hallbaker, it's relatively unique. Right. Um, if, if you ever meet any other Hallbakers, they're us. Yeah. <laughs> they're our, they are our extended family. We're the only ones in the country. Right. And so uh, following the divorce, it, wa- it would have been very easy to try to um, try to win, you know, try to try to win a breakup kind right. of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very thankful that um, she and I never really engaged in a whole lot of that. Okay. And I'm, I'm grateful because it's made it easier on us getting older and trying to work together. And I'm also really thankful because I had a good example set for me when I was in middle school, my parents divorced and my parents were really respectful to each other. About a year after my parents divorced, my mom started dating a guy that I still call my stepdad, even though they never married. Um, and he and my dad actually became really good friends. And so I saw my dad and my stepdad get along really well. I saw my dad and my stepdad's father get along really well. Um, they were, you know, my dad, and my stepdad were both retired military. My mom was retired military. So there was a lot of mutual respect anyway. But they set a really great example about uh, what it can look like for divorced people to still get along really well. We lived with mom, but dad picked us up for school every day till I got my driver's license, that kind of thing. Uh, we still celebrated Thanksgiving together. Mom, dad, mom's boyfriend, you know, mom's boyfriend's dad. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We, um, we still celebrated birthdays together. You know, the thing is, I didn't know that was weird. Right. right. That is super weird. <laughs> yeah, I know that now. Like, I had no idea. So, I, you know, I tell that story. People look at me like, are you, What? And, and this is just extra fun because Alabama being Alabama, um, my stepdad is, so my dad was uh, about five foot 10, 160 pounds, very, very pale, red haired kind of a guy. Uh-huh. Okay. My stepdad is a very large black man from New, from New Jersey. <laughs> wow. Um, he, yeah. He's, he's about, he's about six, two, uh, former bodybuilder, football player, college wrestler kind of a guy. Wow. Um, and yeah, just, so we'd have dinner at, Yeah. But the, but the thing is complete opposite on the surface, but look, yeah. they're both like hardcore military, very straight laced, like very strict disciplinarian kind of guys. Um, heart of gold, but you, you, you're you never disrespectful to either of these men. Right. right. Not a good idea. <laughs> Found that out. Not a good idea. <laughs> um, you know, because when you're 16, you think you're big mm-hmm. and tough and like yeah. bad idea. Let's just, you know, not a good idea. Um, 
but I had a great example. I didn't even know it was such a great example because in the nineties, when my parents split up, I didn't know a lot of other people whose parents were divorced. Well, my parents also got divorced in the nineties. Uh, both okay. of my parents remarried. Like, well, my mother remarried like four years later. My father remarried okay. uh, more like seven to eight years later. Okay. But uh, yeah, it wasn't like that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. And I don't know a lot of people for whom it was like that. I really don't. The older I get, the more people I meet the less people who have a yeah. good, my parents split up when I was a kid story. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah. it wasn't terrible, but right. You know, it wasn't like we were all sitting down having, right. Having know, Thanksgiving yeah. together. I mean, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, I think yeah. it's super dope. And, you know, I would love for us to get to that point. Cause I'm also, this is my second marriage as well. Okay. And I would love to be able to get to that point with my ex-wife. That's exactly when he was saying all that. I was like, Oh, I want that to be us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, and the thing is, it's something that, um, it, I don't know if it's possible for everybody and I don't want to make a blanket statement that it is. What I do know is that whatever the situation is, it can get better. It may, it may never get to the point where you just all sit around and have a great meal together, right. but it certainly can at least get to the point where you can be civil and respectful and cooperative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that's, now. that's definitely doable. But you know, me and <laughs> it's kind of like, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to force the horse to drink and I just like, right. just, don't have to be our friends just come over and drink wine right <laughs> yeah there you go like that's a great idea right but it you know it, it, it takes work it takes conscious effort um it certainly is um uh, it's something we've had to work on over the past few years so um you know just a, a brief example my older daughter is now 15 and she has expressed some interest in dating right and we've always had some pretty strict Rules. rules about like we're not a big fan of that sort of thing at certain ages but she's 15 now and we want to have this conversation so we got all four parents so mom dad stepmom stepdad mm -hmm. and we went out to a local restaurant and our older daughter and the four adults sat around a table while the younger daughter and her little brother went and played on the playground and we had like a two hour long conversation about what are going to be the rules what are going to be the parameters what's going to be okay what's not going to be okay and it was really productive. It was really helpful. It wasn't, it wasn't always easy because all four parents, unsurprisingly, we didn't all see eye to eye. <laughs> Who knew, right? Like, oh, yeah. Adults disagreed. Crazy talk. Especially divorced adults disagreed about something. Like, that never happens, but it did. Um, but it was really, um, it was very encouraging because we could, we could voice our opinion respectfully. We could say, okay, that thing you just mentioned, I'm not comfortable with that. Okay, well then how can we find a compromise where everybody's yeah. comfortable with that particular aspect of it. And again, it's taken us five years to get here. So this is not something you can do overnight, but it was great because we were able to come up with some agreements that not only the four adults were on board with, but the 15 year old daughter actually was like, yeah, yeah. okay, those rules are okay. Yeah. I'm not a fan of all of them, but I get where you're coming from. Right. You know, and that was really wonderful. And, uh, and so I'm thankful that we can, we can do that sort of thing, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, so my, my ex-wife's husband, Mm -hmm. He's also a big sports guy. I grew up playing sports, like soccer, baseball, basketball. And he grew up a sports guy, but his sports were basketball, football, golf. So a couple of years ago, he came to me and said, hey, listen, I know you're coaching our younger daughter's recreational soccer team at mm -hmm. our local church. I said, yeah. He said, listen, I don't know anything about soccer, but I'd love to learn. Would you mind if I helped you coach? Would you mind if I was your assistant coach? Wow. Absolutely not. I would love for you. Like, you want to be more involved in our kids' lives? That'd be wonderful. Please, let's do that. Man, I'm, I'm going to pray we can get to that. I know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, you absolutely can. And I, I don't mean to make it all sound like it's, uh, you know, rainbows and butterflies because it's not. Yeah. There's certainly there. We've had some hard words and we've had some disagreements and we've had some we've had some pretty strong disagreements. Those are also part of it. It's a matter of how you have the disagreements. Right. Yeah. We, we can have strong disagreements without name calling and without raising our voices yeah. right. most of the time. And if we can do that, it's much easier to have the everybody can get together and sit down. Right. Or we can we can coach our girls team because after he helped me coach soccer, I helped him coach her basketball team because okay. he was he's, well, he knows a ton more about basketball than I'll ever know. Right. So, yeah, you know what I mean? But again, it, it didn't start there. Right. Um, it, it started off pretty hard. It started off. Um, I didn't like some other guy being around my daughters. Mm -hmm. yes. My ex-wife didn't like some other woman being around her daughters, yes. which is fair. Like, I understand both sides of that. But again, it was a. It's a situation which we had committed to making things better, making sure that the kids are taken care of and we're going to work together for what is best for them. And, and that's not always easy. So let me, let me be very, uh, I'll be very vulnerable with you guys right now. So my older daughter right now is, is 15 and um, she and I are struggling in our relationship. Mm -hmm. We're having a hard time, which is not uncommon from what I understand right, for 15 year old time. daughters. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. yeah. I've heard that time. from so many moms. They said, okay, just, it'll get better eventually. Yeah, I will. <laughs> So I hope so. I'm praying that it does because I, I need it to, and I want her to need it to. But the, the bottom line is that right now, my younger or my older daughter, like she doesn't want to live with me anymore. 
She doesn't want to come to my house. She wants to just live with her mom. Right. And I, I don't like that. I don't want that. But at the same time, if what is best for her is to have a little bit more space from me, then if I say I love her, that means I need to put her needs above my own. Right. And, yeah. and I need to be okay with that. And so I texted. So she's been going and visiting a counselor that we both know and trust. And I talked with a counselor on the phone the other day. And she said, listen, we need to, I would recommend that you give this a shot because you can't force her to love you. Right. You can't, and it's not that she doesn't love me, but you know what I mean? You can't yes, force her to have a good relationship. Yeah. And the, the, the harder you hold on right now, the, the more she's going to, it's, it's like a wet bar of soap. It's going to slip out of your hand. Mm-hmm. And the far, the harder you squeeze, the farther it's going to go. Yeah. And what do you want? Do you want to force her to come with you right now? Or do you want her to ever come back and visit when she's old enough to move out of the house? Right. And so I texted the counselor back later that day or the, the next day. And my wife and I talked about it. We prayed about it. I said, okay, um, I am willing to give this a shot. I don't like it. Um, it breaks my heart. But if it's what's best for my girl, like that's as a dad, that's what we do. Right. Even if it's hard on us, if that means going to get in a second or third job, but you know, you do what you have to to take care of your family. If the best thing I can do for my daughter right now is to give her space. Okay. Yeah, that's. And that's whew, awful. That's heavy. It, yeah. It's crazy because I have a friend of mine um, oh. who has something very, a similar situation where both of his kids went to live with his ex-wife who he actually won in the custody battle against. So wow. when they got older and they were like, hey, we want to go live with mom, he was heartbroken. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. I, I was just listening and having a conversation with him. And I was like, hey, look, I was like, what you don't want to do is push your kids away forever. I was like, so find that happy medium where you all can come to an agreement that is something that you will be able or willing to grow towards. Right. OK, right. I, it sucks for me right now. But if yeah. I still get to see you, you know, on a consistent cadence, then right. it'll work itself out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Like we didn't ever have a custody thing. We, we made it very clear. We have done everything we could to avoid going to court. Oh, and that was, that wasn't always easy, but that was a commitment we made when, when she and I first split up, that is the, my ex-wife and I, we said we every, absolutely everything. We'll try everything before we go to court. If we need to go see a counselor, if we need to have a mediator, like let's do those things before we go say horrible things about each other in a public place. Let's do that. And thankfully we've stuck to that. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful because I'm sure it wasn't always easy uh, from her side either. Um, I don't, again, I don't love it. And my, my daughter doesn't actually know this yet. I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but by the time it does, I'll probably have talked with my daughter about it. Cause, um, a lot of my, a lot of my students, when they find out that I do these podcast interviews and stuff like, Oh, Hey, I listened to this thing. I'm like, Oh crap. What stories did I tell? Uh, <laughs> you know, like, did I, I didn't tell that story about what he did in my classroom the other day. Did I? I didn't, okay. We're good. Um, my kids, unsurprisingly, they don't read my blog posts. They don't, they haven't read my book. They don't want anything to do with my podcast. Interview. Like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. No, well, it's really funny. Sometimes they're sitting in the room while I'm doing an interview and I will say something and they're rolling their eyes or they're hitting their head or, or sometimes I'll say something about myself that's kind of self-deprecating and they're like fist bumping me from across the room. You know, it's like, I'm really glad to have this audience. Nobody else can see, but thank you girls. You're you're wonderful. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Um, you know, but, but just like with your friend, it's, um, it's a situation where as a dad, as a mom, as a parent at all, biological or step parent, it's really hard to set your own feelings aside and do what's best for the kids sometimes. I mean, as parents, we know that's what you have to do. Yeah. Right. We do. We know like intellectually, yeah, I got to put my kids' needs before I own. And we do that when we change diapers and when we make their lunches when we're tired. Like, and those are not easy. No. <laughs> they're not easy. <laughs> I don't even make the lunches. They're not easy. Um, but they're not, they're not as hard as they could be. Um, sometimes the best thing we can do is to, is to give them some space or to acquiesce in something that we don't necessarily think is best, but other people might. Right. I, I don't necessarily think this is what my 15 year old daughter needs right now, but she does. And her mom does. And her stepmom thinks it might be. And her counselor does. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, so now is it just a question of pride? I want to prove I'm right. Yeah. And right. if that's the case, like, yeah, that's absolutely not how we're going to roll here. Right. Um, like I, so we're, we're pretty outspoken Christians and the leadership book that I wrote is written from a gospel centric standpoint. Mm-hmm. And one of the big issues in the book is as a leader, you've got to put your ego aside. I don't care if that's in the home, in a business, in a classroom, on a soccer team. That means as a dad, and my wife and I had this conversation in the car yesterday. Do I actually believe that in this moment when it's really hard with my older daughter, do I really believe you have to put your ego aside or is that just talk that I'm telling other people to do, but I'm not willing to do it. Mm. Mm. And it was in that moment where I, I mean, I'm, you know, my wife's driving, we're headed to her office to do some work and I'm tearing up and I'm oh. thinking, okay, well, if I actually believe this, this, is the, it, yeah. this is the logical decision that we need to make. Yeah. So that's where we are. 
And again, blended family life's not perfect in and no family life is perfect. It's, it's not always pretty. It's not always easy. Um, but you know, we do the best we can with what we got, where we are, and we try to make it better a little bit every day. And if this is what it takes right now to make it better in the long run, so be it. So since we're talking about your girls, um, mm -hmm. what was the hardest transition for them? That's a really good question. Uh, I would say uh, a couple things. One was when both their parents got remarried. Mm -hmm. um, that was pretty hard because we just introduced two new, new yeah. adults. Now, mm -hmm. they had gotten to know both their stepdad and their stepmom before right. the remarriage. Obviously, we took those things pretty slow. But that was pretty hard because you're adjusting to a new set of rules, a yeah. new type of discipline, a mm -hmm. new personality in the house. You are now competing with someone else for the time that you were getting from your parent that was a little bit more focused. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, our girls were a decent amount younger. They were, um, I guess, 10 and 8-ish. Mm -hmm. And the younger the kids are, a lot of times, the easier some of those things are. Um, so if we were, if I were to get remarried right now with a 15 year old, I can't oh, imagine how yeah, much oh more difficult. Gosh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, nope, that's no. right out. Like, just, yeah. we're not doing that. Not um, so there's a book, if you guys haven't ever, I don't know if you've heard of it or not. It's called the smart step family. Um, it's by a pastor named Ron deal. And I recommend this book to literally everyone who even has a relative in a blended family or a step family because it's brilliant stuff. And he's got a whole series of books, smart step, dad, smart step, mom, smart step, family finances. Like they're all great. Uh, but in that book, he talks about a number of different aspects of blended family life. And one of the big ones is that it just takes time. He uses the analogy of cooking, right? So if you want a really great meal, you don't buy the $2.99 microwavable dinner at the grocery store. It'll fill you up and it will satisfy your hunger for a little while. And it doesn't take very long to cook. You throw it in the microwave, you peel the topping, you know, the, the plastic yeah. cover back and you have a meal. That's not exactly gourmet cooking. It's not even really good food. No. It, but blended family life, you got to approach it like a crock pot meal, right? You, you, you take all the ingredients, you put them in, you turn it on low heat and you let it cook for like eight hours. Yes. The long you come, day. You, yeah. You, you know, and it's going to take some time. And when it takes time, uh, they're going to be bits where you have to check on it. They're going to be things where you got to go stir it up a little bit and, and yeah. find out if you need to add some seasoning or whatever, but you can't rush that process. process yeah. And that's both really encouraging and really hard. It's hard because you think, yeah, but how much time? And there's not a good answer. It depends on the ages of your kids. It depends on how long you dated before you like, there's a lot of things that depends on. There's no one answer to how long is it going to take other than a long time. <laughs> so it's hard, but it's also encouraging because it means where you are now, you're not always going to be there. It will get better in the long run. It will get better eventually if you're continuing to work for it. And that's encouraging um, in a long-term view kind of way. Right. Um, I, I wish there was a magic pill. I wish there was like a magic bullet where you could say, just do these three steps and right. everything will be great tomorrow. <laughs> There's a, probably know, a it, book for that. Yeah, I'm sure there is, but I didn't write it. So I don't know what they are. And I hadn't read it either. So, you know, Obviously like, a I, human didn't write that. Right. That's, yes, that's exactly right. There's nobody who's written that book real well from, from this planet. Right. You know, but it is, it's, it's hard, uh, but it's, it's wonderful and it's redeeming. I've learned, um, I've learned a lot more about grace and forgiveness since I've been part of a blended family than I ever did when I was younger. Uh, mostly because I need the grace and forgiveness of my wife, not because I'm good at extending. Um, like, so it, it turns out that despite being a, a college educated high school teacher, like I'm kind of a bonehead. Uh, and my, my superpower is the ability to accidentally anger women of all ages. Um, we share that superpower. Uh, yeah. Dude, all, all good. Someone else has this. Okay. Yes. We can form a team. Right. This is great. I have a cape for uh, you in my closet. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I got because, uh, yeah, it's, that'd be good. As long as it's blue. The blue is my color. Most I got of the time. you. I got you. All right. Uh, but no, I do. I, um, you know, I didn't know before my, so my second wife and I, before we were married, we were dating. My ex-wife came over to pick up the girls one day. And so my girlfriend, now my wife, was standing next to me outside the car of my ex-wife who's picking up our kids. Mm -hmm. And I decide that was a good time to talk with my ex-wife and reminisce about movies we used to watch when we were going to bed to go to sleep. What in the world? Now. Not only did I do that, I didn't know that was a bad idea until my ex-wife drove off and I turned around and my, again, girlfriend at the time goes stomping up the front steps to my house yeah. and just looks at, me. you know, you give them a look. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. You get the yeah. look. You get the look. And I looked at her and I went, huh. Mm, and I, I said, did I do something wrong? Right. It's like, all oh, you have the same book. Dude, I'm telling you, they hand this out when you're 12 and you have to pass the test. Otherwise you don't get to be certain. Um, and you know, she's looking at me going, what do you, what, what do you mean? Did you do something wrong? I'm like, okay. So I can see that you're upset. 
Yes. And I'm you thinking, look at me, I'm learning. She's upset and I recognize it. This is good. He's like, look at me, I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. This is well, so I'm a teacher. This is, yeah. And so I think, okay, um, <laughs> what did I do that was so bad? <sighs> because I realize you're upset and I'm proud of myself for that, but I don't know what I did. And so I would like for you to tell me so I could not do it again. And she just looked at me. And she, I mean, I kid you not. She's like across the living room now. She looked at me and she goes, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is wow. This, is this happening? Because cause I'm not dumb. Like, I'm, I like to think I'm relatively intelligent. I like to think I can hold my own in an intellectual conversation. But when it comes to, like, things with two X chromosomes, just I'm, I'm eight years old. And I'm, I'm eating Play-Doh, kind of, you know? <laughs> This is great. I am over here in tears laughing at this because it is so accurate. You found somebody right. who I found. I have found my long lost best friend. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Because yeah. I'm aware that you're upset. That's what right. did I do to upset if, you? Yes. Now, Stan, this is, this is one of the many reasons I love my wife. Because typically, the, and forgive me, women, if this is wrong, but you know it's not. The typical female response to a dumb, dumb question like that is, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. Oh. Right? Yes. Which, for the record, is not a very helpful answer to those of us that are not very bright. Right? Also if my known as man. Says, right. Right, if my student says to me, Coach Hallbaker, I missed this question. What's the right answer? And I go, sucks for you. I can't help you. Like, that's not teaching them anything. And so my wife looks at me and she goes, you really don't get it. No, ma'am, I really don't. <laughs> but I said, but I would like to remind you when we were, but like when we first started dating, I warned you about this. Because I had, I told her, I said, I just need you to know, like, I'm really smart, but I'm also an idiot when it comes to this kind of stuff. She went, oh, okay. And she, 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 like in that it's moment when we're having the second, she, it clicks and she went, oh my goodness, you did. I didn't believe you till right now, but now I get it. She said, cause I seen it. Right. right. I, I, I see it in your face. That's right. I really yeah. don't know. Right. And so she explained it to me. She's like, so if my ex-boyfriend comes over and he and I are sitting around about stuff we used to do that was really fun and emotionally connecting, you're going to be okay with that. And I went, of oh. course. Oh, oh. Wow, that was really awful what I just did right there. That light bulb went off real yeah. quick. Yeah. Click, and it was like, oh man, I'm an idiot. So yeah, I've learned a lot more about grace and forgiveness. <laughs> mostly from receiving it. And that, that's been really good. Um, yeah, good. You know, like I said, good times in the Hall Baker house. We have a blast. Uh, mostly at my expense because I deserve it. Same. That's awesome. We yeah. relate. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's the thing. What I'm Again, what I'm really thankful for is in those moments, my wife is still extremely kind and gentle and respectful to me. She doesn't talk to me like I'm an idiot. She doesn't treat me like I'm 12 years old. So there's another marriage book that I recommend to people. It's by uh, another pastor named, uh, named Dr. Emerson Egerix. It's called Love and Respect, right? Love and Respect. It's very, um, very easy concept. Is there's a, a verse in the New Testament where it says, you know, um, wives love your husbands. Hus- or sorry, it says husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husbands. Mm-hmm doesn't say love them it says respect them right. and it's very simple the idea is like men what we crave more than anything we crave respect if you say you love me all the time but you talk to me like i'm an idiot in public or in private i don't feel that love coming from you right. what i feel is you treating me like i'm seven years old when i'm not right women need to be loved and cherished and treated well mm-hmm. and now obviously being respectful is part of loving but i also need to show you that i love you through my actions not just my words right so women have a need to be loved and men have a need to be respected and when we do those things the relationship works better. That's the, that's the core of the book, right? And obviously there's degrees of those things because everybody's a little bit different, but we have found that book to be one of the single most helpful things she and I ever read. We read that book before we got married as well. Uh, we have a, a kind of a, a habit where we read at least one new marriage book every year, or we go back and reread one that we've already read that we thought was really helpful. And I've read, uh, I've read that one a couple of different times. I like that. Um, I yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Um, it's a good habit to be in, but that book in particular was really helpful to us because again, in that moment, it, it reminded her, okay, he's acted like an idiot, but he didn't mean to. So if I treat him like an idiot, that's just going to make him he, shut down and not yeah. really want to have this conversation. Instead, I could tell him what he did and show him why it hurt. And maybe he'll actually learn from it and won't do that again. Yes. <laughs> and that was how, you know, and that was a big deal because again, having gone through divorce, there's already a lot of pain triggers that she may not even be aware of. Oh, yeah. And by treating me kindly, she can very much more easily step around those, those pain triggers. Yeah. Whereas if she, if she responds in, because she's legitimately hurt right then, she's legitimately upset. Yeah. But if she responds out of that, there's a good chance she's going to, she's going to cause me to become more upset and defensive and angry. And yeah. I'm going to lash back out and make her more upset. And now what could have been a constructive conversation mm-hmm. has devolved into angry hurt that now we've got to deal with in the future. Right. And, and because of her grace toward me, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a wonderful thing. 
that's the wonderful thing. Okay. So what has been the biggest hurdle for you and your current wife? The biggest hurdle I would say is probably finances. Um, so if you look at the top five reasons for people to get divorced, finances up there, right? How Absolutely. you deal with your money. And um, the good news about me is not only was I broke when we got married, but I'm a high school teacher. Yeah. So we just stay broke. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's good. Um, no, I mean, legitimately, like when we got married because of the divorce, um, I, I went through bankruptcy and foreclosure on the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a whole bunch of, uh, I still had student loans because those don't count out of bankruptcy. So I was bankrupt and had debt, which yeah. is really impressive. And so that's been hard for us just because we also want her to be available because of our schedules being crazy. Um, we wanted her to be available to take the kids to school, pick them up from school, which okay. means she, she also isn't available to work until 5 p.m. every day. Like she can't work a nine to five and be available to pick the kids up. Right. So she worked a lot of other part-time jobs. And so part of the reason for our finances, cause I don't make very much, but her schedule is also limited because we want her to be available to With help take kids. care of drive. Because I work 45 minutes away to school where I teach is 45 minutes away. Wow. So I leave every day about six 30 or six 45 in the morning. And that's been true since before she and I got married. Um, and so again, it's just, it's limited what we're able to do. Yeah. With our yeah. That kind. So that's been a big struggle, not necessarily problems for her and I, but just makes life harder. Yeah, absolutely. When, yeah. when, when every month is, are we going to be able to get the bills paid? Like mm-hmm. that stress starts to wear on you. It is. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, that that's been a big stressor. Um, another one has just been trying to figure out how to make all the relationships work. Someone asked me once at a, a conference I spoke at about blended family life. They said, is it easier for you to get along with your kid's stepdad because you have daughters instead of sons? Hmm. Exactly. That was my response. Oh, that's a great question. That's an amazing question. Never thought about that. And I thought, you know what? Yeah. Because if I had sons, I would be worried about what kind of example this guy was setting, which, which means, and here's the thing that clicked about six months later, which means that's why my ex-wife has such a hard time with my wife because we have daughters Yeah, and she has that mama bear instinct where she's like, it's not that I don't trust her, but she's not me. Right. She's not me. And she, she can't be me and I don't want her to try to replace me, which are all legitimate thoughts for a biological mom to have. Yeah. Right. And so that meant for my ex-wife and I, I'm, again, my ex-wife's a saint. She, or, sorry, my, 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 my wife is a saint is what I meant to say there. Um, that's all kinds of Freudian slips that are great to really get into. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my wife is a saint because she has worked really hard to get along with my ex-wife, knowing that my ex-wife wasn't necessarily going to make it easy. And I don't say that to criticize my ex-wife, but again, like if Probably I had sons, yeah, exactly. It's an understandable defensive kind of reaction. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, we've seen the fruits of my wife doing those things because my ex-wife has also tried to reach out to my wife and make things easier. Yay. And again, not so. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples, but also not surprisingly, my wife and my ex-wife, you know, when they get along best when I'm not around. Mm. Uh. They can have a totally fine conversation and have no tension at all if I'm not in the room. So you're why? the problem. Well, why? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Why, though? I no idea. And I don't actually need to know why. I just need to know that like, if they have to talk, I just walk away. Uh, bingo. That's all I need to know. <laughs> oh, the game's on. Be back later. That's exactly right. I need to go be anywhere else right now. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, so when my, um, when one of my daughters was turning, my younger daughter, I forget what birthday it was, eight or nine or something. We were having a joint party because we all made a commitment to get together and celebrate the kids together. Um, my ex-wife came and got my wife and said, will you help me fix the cake? Will you help me decorate this? She wanted a cake made out of Rice Krispie Treats. So basically, there's a Rice Krispie Treats stacked <laughs> yeah. up and hold together with popsicle sticks. Well, the thing is, my wife is an art major. Like, that's what she studied in college. She did art stuff. And so my ex-wife knew that. And she said, oh, I know yeah. that you're artistic and creative. Please come help me with this thing. Right. That was really nice of her to do that. that now, she didn't, she didn't that necessarily, either. yeah, she didn't necessarily like doing it, but she knew this was to be a great example of showing our kids, we can all love you together. Yes. Yeah. And she did that. And more. And so that was a number of years ago. More recently, our younger daughter is now playing junior high volleyball. And a lot of the volleyball moms will wear T-shirts with the school logo mm-hmm. and a volleyball mm-hmm. and their daughter's name on the back. Mm-hmm. So my wife texted my ex-wife the other day about our younger daughter and said, hey, this thing about our younger daughter. And our, my ex-wife texted her back and said, yes. And also, Olivia will be bringing you a T-shirt. Some of the other volleyball moms got one. And I thought you'd like one, too. Oh, that's awesome. Man. Yeah, completely blew us away. Right. Not because my ex-wife's a terrible person, but because yeah, that was yeah. really overly generous of her. That was very kind of her to think, one, she might like this. And two, I'm okay with her also wearing a t-shirt with my daughter's name on it. Yeah, let's call Because it. she also does the mom stuff. Like, that was huge. We call that, that was huge. We call that growth. Yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful. And again, it's the sort of story that I love to tell because it's, I hope it's encouraging to other people. Now, you can hate us a little bit. 
and that's okay too. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. <laughs> that's okay. But, but I want it to, I want it to be encouraging because again, it is possible. It is possible to get to a better place than wherever you are. I fully, fully believe that. Again, it may not always be holding hands and singing Kumbaya around a campfire, <laughs> yeah. but it can be, Hey, listen, I really appreciate what you did with my kid the other day. You know what I mean? It can be just a, it can be a kind word because again, in a, in a difficult co-parenting relationship for an, for a biological parent to reach out to the step parent and just say, Hey, thank you. That's a big deal. Oh yeah. Huge yeah. deal. That's a big deal. So it can, that's, it's possible. I'm telling you it's possible. Um, and a lot of people say, well, you don't know my ex and you don't know what they did. You're exactly right. I don't. And I'm not telling you that everything is possible. I'm telling you better than where you are right now is possible. I love that. So what has been the most positive thing or situation that has come out of being a blended family? Like top down, like this has been the best. So I would say one of them is a couple of the things I've already mentioned. The, the, the t-shirt, which just happened this past week, like that blew us away. We yeah, were not that expecting is, that. That, that was awesome. Uh, another one was just that meeting about my, our older daughter wanting to date. Mm-hmm. Because again, it was, it was four parents having a great conversation for over two hours sitting in a restaurant. And again, just it, it sets a great example for our kids. It's a good, uh, it's a good um, modeling of what we want our kids to become. So one of the things I talk about is be the adult you want your children to become which means you need to treat people well. It's a, it's the golden rule from when you're a little kid, right? Like be nice to people if you want them to be nice to you. Like this isn't even that complicated. It's the phrase I've heard for is it's simple, but it's not easy. You know, it's simple, but it's not easy. Um, and so those have been some huge successes for us. A couple years ago, uh, the girls needed clothes for going back to school. And so my ex-wife texted my wife and said, hey, would you like to come with me shopping to help get the girls back to school stuff? Because I know that you also like to help pick out their clothes, that kind of thing. Like right. just those kinds of cooperative moments, to me, those are the highlights. I mean, the easy stuff is like tomorrow morning, our younger daughter's getting inducted into the junior high beta club, like an honor society, good grade stuff. Okay, that's awesome. So my ex-wife and my wife are both going to try to go. And that's wonderful because they can be in the same room and they can both cheer on our kid. And it's not like, oh, is there going to be a cat fight or like, <laughs> Because the thing is, I had a soccer player a few years ago. So I used to coach soccer at the high school where I teach. And she was a senior. So on senior night, her parents had divorced the year before, maybe two years before, and they did not get along. And so at senior night, we're getting ready to walk onto the field in front of the whole stadium, right? Her mom is there. Her dad is there. There's a rose. It's this big ceremony and there's hundreds of people watching. And she has to tell her parents, I need you to act like grownups and get along for at least 10 minutes while we're doing the ceremony. Wow. Wow. She's 18. She shouldn't have to be lecturing her parents on being nice to each other. Yes. Come on. And the thing is, I love the kid for being willing to do that. I hate it that her parents weren't able. And I I don't want to say, because in this situation, one parent was much more of a problem than the other. And I don't want to say which one in case they listen to the podcast. (laughs) Because I don't want to throw them under the bus. That's fair. That's fair. The the point is, the daughter shouldn't have had to do that. And the parents should know better. Right. This is true. I'm, I'm thankful that the parents in our situation, in general, we know better. Yeah. Not, not because we're great people, but because we've, we've learned and we've grown. With that. So mm-hmm. how did you get your ex-wife to be okay with your current wife being involved with the girls, like education, mm-hmm. um, doctor's appointment, like things like that to where y'all are like having a conversation collectively? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so a couple things, part of it is just continually trying to approach any disagreement in a respectful way because, you know, the Bible tells uh, that a, a soft answer turns away wrath. Right. So if there's a disagreement, let's try to be kind about it and keep our tempers down. So just a habit of doing that back and forth is helpful because it changes the way we dialogue. And so over the long term, if you are gentle and respectful towards someone, they are more likely to respond the same way, way to you. Right. right. So that's a little bit. The other part, I can't even take any credit for it all. I don't even know if I can take credit for that part, but the other part, I definitely can't. Basically what it was, was my ex-wife had a conversation with a friend of hers who is also a stepmom and a biological mom. And my ex-wife, from what I understand, my ex-wife was expressing some frustration about my wife wanting to be so involved. Right. And my ex-wife's friend said to her, so let me, I just want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. What you're frustrated about is that your ex-husband's wife, your kid's stepmom loves your kids too much. (laughs) Wow. That's what you're upset about. She wants to be too involved. She wants to be, you know, and she didn't mean it rudely. She might have meant it with a little snark. Oh, that's absolutely. Yeah. There's some sarcasm yeah. behind it. There's a little bit. Because, and this lady, she just is that way. But yeah. she also meant it like in a seriously eye-open kind of way. Like your issue is that she wants to be more involved than you want her to be. Yeah. I understand that. But look at the alternative. Would you rather her be neglectful? Yeah. Like if, 
if the worst situation you have to deal with is an ex-wife who wants to be too loving and too involved with your kids, then that's something that maybe look at differently and maybe be some thankful for. Yeah. And, and again, because I've had to look at it the same way, because there are some things that my my girl's stepdad does uh-huh. that I really I'm jealous of. He gets to be more involved in their lives in some ways because the school I used to teach at, he now helps run some of their athletic stuff. Oh, so he's there. Yeah. So he's there a lot more. Yeah. He gets to see my kids probably more than I do a lot of the time. And I'm jealous of that. And I really want to be angry about it. But I also hear that conversation in my head and go, so your problem is your stepdad loves your kids too much. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, you got a rough life, buddy. And it's like, you know what? I'll be quiet. Right. That's it. I apologize to everyone who actually has big problems to deal with. Right. Because right. if my biggest problem is that my kid's stepdad loves my kids too much, seriously, just tone it down, buddy. Right. Right. So, and that was a good lesson for me to be reminded of, too. So I had a question because, you know, I, I never thought that I would get married again. How did you know that it was something you wanted to do again? Ooh, that's a great, I wish my wife were here to tell this story. She's uh, already um, gone to bed yeah. at the time of this recording. Um, she, um, so we, we dated, uh, well, we, we actually spent some time together working out while she was in college. I came home or she came home from college one summer. I'm nine years older than her. She was in college when we started dating. But the year before that, um, I had blimped up after my divorce. I'm five foot three, but I have a big Napoleon complex. Um, but after my divorce, I had blimped up to almost 200 pounds. Wow. At five foot three. He's pretty round dude. Yeah. Right. Um, not healthy kind of round. And she and I had been friends a little bit. I had known who she was. She actually, um, she had dated one of my soccer assistant coaches a couple years before. So I knew who she was. They had broken up and I was just talking with her one day and said, I really need to lose some weight. And she said, well, I'm coming home from college next week. I'll be home all summer. Let's get together, work out. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Let's do that. Like she's an attractive female. I'll get up early in the morning, go work out with her. <laughs> right. Awesome. Right. I will this, run it wherever you need me to <laughs> this run. This exactly. You tell me where and when and I'll be there. Right. This is not, Guys are not hard to figure out. Right. We're shallow. We're not hard to figure out. Right. Um, so we worked out all summer. I lost like legitimately 40 pounds in three months, which was awesome. Right. And, and then I went on, she went back to college and I decided to date someone else. Okay. For about nine months. Terrible decision making. Oh, okay. Just terrible decision making. Ended up breaking up with, with that person. And about a, a couple months after that, my, now my wife and I started dating. But before we dated, I spent a month trying to run her off legitimately like you need to do better don't look at me like that (laughs) i wish you guys could see the look on her face right now whoever's listening to this just the look that i'm trying to think of the look that that's like is this like a plan but like that's the look that your mom gives you when you (laughs) left your homework at home on purpose and then try to act like you didn't mean yeah so i did the same are you serious with this (laughs) i did the same exact thing thing. good yes good brother from another mother same thing dated another woman did you did you legitimately tell her you should go do better no. no, I didn't go that far. But yeah, you, you tried to you tried to get her to go. Right. I tried to push yeah. her away because for me, the biggest fear was to do what I did the first marriage. Yes. A hundred percent. Yep. Don't want to go through that again. That was really hard. Right. So my yeah. question is, so how did, so you started dating your wife and then yep. what happened? Yep. So the thing is we, before we actually started dating, um, she, well, let me, let me back up a month before I started dating the other female, mm-hmm. my now wife told me that she loved me. Yep. Mm. And I thought, no, you don't. You really don't because you shouldn't because I'm a terrible person. Oh, and, and it was after that that I started dating this other person. And then we broke up. And so, my, again, my now wife and I told her, I said, like, you need to, you can do much better. You are, you are, you are young and you are attractive and you are going to be very successful and you're intelligent. And these are all things that you should use to your advantage. And me, like nine years older than you and chubby and divorced and broke and have a terrible reputation and two kids, like, seriously, nobody wants that. Yeah. You Nobody wants that. Yeah. I, you never, and she looked at me, she went, I'm no, no, I, I want, I want you and I want us to be together. And so I thought, well, I mean, I've tried for a month to convince her this is a bad idea. <laughs> she's still convinced. And I know that she's also intelligent. So, so I went and actually, before we dated, I went and talked with her parents because I've got two daughters. And if my kids are interested in dating, I expect the young man to come and talk with me first. I need to model that. So I went up and I talked with her parents and I sat down with her mom and dad. They've known me. I used to work for her mom when I was a teenager. They've known me since I was 15. Wow. That's wow. not in my favor. <laughs> okay. Not in my favor. You knew Joel was a 15 year old, not impressed with Joel as a 29 year old. Oh man. So I went and I talked with her parents and I said, okay, so here's the thing. Your daughter and I are interested in dating probably with a view toward marriage because I don't really, I, at, at 29 and divorced, I'm not going to do casual dating. Right. right. There's no short term. There, and especially with two kids, like there's no casual, like I'm not, no, I tried that with the other woman, didn't go well, not doing that. Um, and, and so I said, we're interested in this. What do you guys think? And her mom, I can't, 
I love her mom to death. She's one of the sweetest ladies you'll ever meet in your life, but she's also very straightforward. She looked at me and I kid you not, looked me in the eye and said, you're not good enough for our daughter. Oh, wow. And I looked right back at her and said, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I told her. I, I told her this for a month. You can ask her. You can ask her. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Nobody, nobody sits down with their daughter and says, here's what you need, sweetheart. You need a guy almost a decade older who's divorced and broke. That's what you need. That's what every woman dreams of, right? Right. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Right. And so her parents said, okay. And the thing that really convinced me is her level of commitment to me. I gave her every reason to go somewhere else. I told her it was a bad idea. I dated someone else when I knew that she cared about me. I tried to, I showed her every horrible thing I've ever done. And she showed me grace and she showed me forgiveness and she showed me compassion. And so I thought, you know what? This could, this could go differently than it did the first time. Yeah. Not be, again, not because my ex-wife is not those things, but because I'm in a different place now mm-hmm. and she is showing me something that I haven't seen in a long time. And if she's willing to show me this, then maybe I'm not as bad as I think I am. Maybe I can grow to be somebody better. Like I don't, and I, I said this in my wedding vows too, where you can't, so if you guys can, you can see this in the program on the wall, that, that's uh-huh. our wedding picture yes. right there. And up above it, those are our wedding vows oh. that we framed. Right. So we don't, we don't forget what we committed to. And one of the things I said to her is like, I'm never going to feel like I'm worthy of you, but I'm also not going to stop trying to become worthy of you. That's my goal. And so if I can be, if I can become the man she thinks I actually could be, that's not bad. I've also seen it in a, a slightly less sappy way. If you see a picture uh, on, you know, say posted on social media, it says, be the person that your dogs think you are. <laughs> This is because they, like, because they right? love you regardless. Right, your dog will love you yeah. at any moment in life. Like, all you got to do is like, you drop Show a little up. tiny bit of your chicken on the floor and you are the world's greatest person. <laughs> that's right? Be the person your dogs think you are. Interesting. That is- so that's what, that's what really convinced me is when my wife just showed me that kind of unconditional, here's what this is all about. And just trying to live up to that, you know? And not in a pressure-filled kind of way, but in a, this is the grace she's shown me. Like, let's live in that. That's that's awesome. We're going to be friends forever, Joe. <laughs> that's great. I let love me, it. Let me good. explain this to you <laughs> real quick. Do. My wife has made me, you know, like I used to just scratch the surface of potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. I find myself to be pretty successful at my current age. I'm 36 years old. Yep. That's where I'm at right now. Good. Done very well. But when I met my wife, I was in a place of, I don't know where I will go. I'm kind of, I'm pretty broken after my divorce. I'm also broke, just like yep. you. Yeah, uh, broken, broken. That's tri- a good book title. I right. like that. Except I'm paying child support. So it hurts yep, even same. more. It's double time. Yes, <laughs> yes, same. Was, yeah, paying child support and private school tuition. Oh, yep. <laughs> hello. Y'all are we are the same person. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So, we got to get wings sometimes. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I come into the situation and she's like, look, it could be worse. And like, life could be way worse. So what she what she did is she made me she challenged me in ways that I've never been challenged by a woman ever. Yeah. So and I've I accepted the challenge before I used to yeah. be like yo you don't know what you're talking about get out of my face. Right. In I don't the need most to hear that subtle right now. way that I could do that to a woman, but in yeah. this case, you know, she was like, and she wasn't backing down from the the way that right. she was approaching me. Yeah, I'm not gonna let you get away with squandering your potential. Exactly. So we've yeah. been married. I've heard that. We've been <laughs> we dated for what two three years. Uh Two, three years. Got married. Been married two years. Okay. And the span that we've been together, I've been promoted three times. Yep. We nice. have a podcast network. Mm-hmm. We have a photo booth business. <laughs> yep. She running a yep. homeschool business out of the house. It's not, it's not, uh, not a business. It's, our son is it's homeschool right now. But, uh, That's awesome. My wife was homeschooled, so props on you. <laughs> but it's, it's just a ton of stuff that you would never think you would ever accomplish after yeah. being so broken. Yes, 100%. So mine is, is much the same way. It is... Um, it's same kind of thing in a career. Like I've always, I've been a teacher almost my whole adult life. After my divorce, I got out of teaching for two years. I did a hundred other things. I was a security guard and a firefighter and a bartender and a financial advisor dude and just a whole bunch of different stuff that I hated. So I decided to go back to teaching because it's what I love. But what I, what, where she really helped me professionally was writing. I've always loved the idea of writing. Before she and I were together, I had written anything ever. Since then, I've written an ebook that hit number one on Amazon. I've written a fully leadership book that hit number one on Amazon. I've written a couple of other articles that have been published on a bunch of different websites. And it's things that I never thought I would do because I didn't ever actually sit down and do them. Y'all really don't need me here. I know. I can, I can just go. You want to hear something funny? I can just go, Joel. I told you, so, Joel, I don't like you. I'm about to start writing a blog and I'm about to start a write fiction book series. 
nice awesome i look forward to it that'll be great hook so, me up when you start writing i'll share it and stuff that'd be great absolutely this is hilarious that is awesome i i'm telling you, i wish the listeners that are listening i wish you could see her face right now <laughs> what is happening here it is, it is wonderful it this is, is wonderful kind of, this is kind of scary it's creepy look, it's these are creepy. the looks that i get from my students all day long just like are you kidding me with this coach Hall, like, what in the world and i'm like I, look this is how it is i'm sorry oh man this is really man That's, this is so great. can so can i ask you guys a question yeah. sure where where did you meet? Where did you guys first meet? Ah. <laughs> so this is uh, anytime someone's first response is laugh, I'm like, yes, good story. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you listen to our first episode, you'll well, find he won't out. Like anymore, so. He won't like me anymore. No. He'll get to hear my struggle. <laughs> but um so we have a friend, a mutual friend in common. So okay. that friend um lived in Greenville, South Carolina. But got it. And I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina where he okay. used to live. So awesome, awesome. I just moved from Atlanta. I had taken like a little sabbatical and I was like, I'm getting away from Charlotte for a moment and I am just going to come to Atlanta, stay there for a year or two, you know, and then when I come back, I want to find a husband, get married, have kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fail. It, it, it kind of happened, but it didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. Okay? I did, but not the way I planned. So, okay. Like exactly when I get back to Charlotte, stuff still in boxes. My friend calls and like, "Hey, let's go on a ski trip." And I'm like, "Really? Like I can't right now. Like I just moved. I'm about to go on a cruise." He was like, "Come on, come on. I'll pay your deposit down right now, so you can just hold a spot, and then you just come." And I was like, "Oh my god." He just, you know, he's very persistent. So I was like, "Okay, yeah, whatever. I, you know, I don't care." And so. You know, we make this trip. We all meet up in Atlanta because the party bus is leaving from Atlanta. And, you know, we're all like, hey, you know, see him. I'm just like, hey, whatever. I'm not like, hey, who's that? (laughs) So we're not even each other's type. That's what's so crazy. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So I see him. I'm just like, hey, you know, I don't know what a two-lawn is, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And he's just like, you know, hey, Ralph. Okay, yeah. And so. (laughs) I'll admit that through me when I saw the uh, email. I will fully admit that. Guilty. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know when it happened, but clearly at some point in the night um, of us, like the night before we leave to go on the party bus, um, I guess the attraction. Yeah, I I think it was just the more we talked, the more we got to know each other, the more you can. Mm -hmm. But it's funny, but we never talked to To each each other. other. Yeah, we were just talking in a group. We were just talking in a group group of us going. Nice. Nice. Six. Six of us. So we never was like, hey, you know, (laughs) yeah. So, but we go on the party bus the next day and he sits by me. And just to fast forward that, halfway through the trip to Tennessee, he grabs mm-hmm. my face and he kisses me in the mouth. Nice. Hey, no, man, sometimes you just got to go for a goal. No, That's Joe. exactly it. No, Joe. No. <laughs> no, not that? Oh. No. No, my bad. Don't do that. Sorry. Because <laughs> that what got me. It hard. worked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I'm a kisser. So <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, that, it kind of started there. Okay. Um, I still didn't like him. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. She didn't like me. Like, I had to grow on her, like, yeah. weeds. That's in, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, like, a, yeah. Yeah. That's so, good. So that's I, look, I'm telling you, though, I like the direct approach. That was good. I, I did not do I asked my wife if I could kiss her before I did it for the first time. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, was like a scared, I, I was like a scared 12 year old. Hey, look, we all been drinking. I was like, this is my shot, guys. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's it. And it's funny, too, because uh, on the party bus, he actually got a lap dance next to me. So it's just funny. It was, oh, it was a whole lot. Like, yeah, it's when I tell you, it was a lot of stuff going on on wow. this bus. It was like next level of partying yeah that is really funny i can't say i've ever been there but that is a pretty amusing i met them story like that is good stuff it is crazy but that is we met on a ski trip you know okay and it basically grew from there grew it went went downhill well it was a roller coaster (laughs) it was the downward slope of the roller coaster at first nice okay and And then then, it came back and then we got back on the roller coaster and we went back yeah (laughs) so that seems to be a thing like it was a lot that way with uh with my wife and i as well because again that dating someone else thing and like that yeah. was such such poor decision making hey um, men are good at that but yeah that is very very true and without even trying no nah, i mean it's, it's a, our it's our superpower right unlimited source of stupidity <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep i think this looks like a good idea why would you think that i don't know, I don't know. Right. And that's, I, that's the one thing i hate y'all say too i don't know that's like the answer anything like why did yeah. you do this i don't know it seemed like a good idea at the time right but I, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. So I, we have, I have one more question, or we have sure. one more question. Within your book, I'm assuming mm-hmm. this is in the book, right? You have the blended family principles. 
Mm-hmm. What exactly are uh, those? So, yeah, that's actually um, that's in a book that I'm working on right now. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so there's a lot to it. If you if you look on my website, I've got 10 what I call the 10 commandments of blended family life. And the idea behind that is um, to uh, help people look at um, a different way of viewing because it starts with your mindset. It starts with how you approach uh, blended family life, because if you approach it from a standpoint of uh, humility and grace, then you're a lot more likely to get cooperation uh, and you're a lot more likely to um, experience positive growth within your blended family. So uh, those, those 10 commandments, like, I, you know, I don't want to run through all 10 of them, but I mean, I'd encourage anybody in blended family to take a look at it. Cause if you look on the website, there's, there's a list of five different areas of blended family life that everybody needs to discuss. Right. So um, personal issues like your hurts from the past, because those are going to crop up at weird times. Yeah. Right. Um, scheduling issues, because anytime there's kids, there's scheduling issues. And with four parents in two houses, those are extra complicated. Yes. Right. Parenting issues like uh, what age are your kids going to be allowed to have cell phones and what are they going to be allowed to have on mm. those phones? And who's going to monitor those things mm. among the four parents in the two houses? Mm. Conversations need to be had. Interfamily issues. So I mentioned the blended family earlier where they have his kids, her kids and their kids together. Right. There's a lot of inter-sibling issues there, whether it's jealousy or rivalries or perceived slights or favoritism. Like these are issues that are that can come up, right? Yeah. And then there's just the et cetera. Like, how are you going to handle grades? Because if you have a very different idea about grades than your ex, your kids are going to get a very confusing message and they're going to default to whichever one requires them to do less work. Exactly. <laughs> and so you got to talk about those things, right? And so I, I came up with these 10 commandments to help people have a starting point of principles because these are not specific actions all the time, but they are general guidelines that if you follow these, it'll make life easier. I'll just give you a couple to give you an example, right? The first one is to over-communicate with all the adults. If you have any doubt whatsoever, if the other adult needs to know it, tell it to them. So like find a communication system that works and use it all the time. There's great blended family apps for blended family communication. Send a text, send an email, whatever works for you that you can do it without getting angry every time you have to talk with your ex. Find that avenue. Do that, right? Over-communicate. Another one is to use discernment to choose your battles because you need to know the difference between something that's a personal preference that I don't happen to like versus what's an actual red flag issue where I should be concerned and make it a disagreement that we need to have. Gotcha. Because there's a big, like, so at at my house, our kids have earlier bedtimes than at their mom's house because we disagree about bedtime. But what we agree on is the kids need to get enough sleep for school. Right. And so the thing is, if they stay up a half hour or an hour later at their mom's house, I don't like it, but it's not my house. So my rules don't really matter that much. And that has to be okay because her rules don't count over here. Right. It has to be okay. Yeah. And so that means, here's the thing. Are my kids getting enough sleep? Well, based on the evidence, yes, their grades are good. Socially, they're fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have any of the issues you would look for and say that kid is sleep deprived. So if they're, if they're going to bed an hour later at their mom's house, guess what? I just need to be okay with that. Gotcha. Because we agree on the principle of our kids need enough sleep. Gotcha. We disagree on what exact time needs time. to be on the clock when their head hits the pillow. Right. That's fine. We can disagree about that forever. And that's, that doesn't have to be a big fight we have. So use discernment to decide between what issues are actually worth pursuing and what issues you just, you just need to let go. Those kinds of things. And so there's a whole list of, of those guidelines that are really, I think, are really helpful for blended families. Uh, and then there's a list of 10 suggested patterns of behavior. These are not things you have to do. But they're things I recommend. And again, another one is uh, one of the things I mentioned is speak well of the other adults as often as possible. Like everybody knows don't badmouth the other adults. Yeah. That's right. okay, yeah. right. But but what if you actively speak well of them? What if I'm talking well about my wife, my ex-wife and, you know, my kids are around? Mm-hmm. All that does is build up their relationship with her. That's right. a good thing in the long I want my kids to love their mother. Come on. Like that's a good thing. Right. You know, um, it also lets them know that it's okay to talk about mom at dad's house. Dad's not going to fly into a rage if you mention (laughs) mom, which is a legitimate thing in some houses. You know what I mean? Like, and it needs to not be. So just speak well of the other adults. And and in our house, again, we, we pray for them. We pray for them at bedtime and we pray for them at mealtime. So, because it also changes my heart towards my ex-wife. If I'm actively praying for her, it's real hard for me to hate her. Yeah. And my kids are going to pick up on that too. And if they know that I'm still willing to pray for their mom and their stepdad and their little brother, that's a good thing. Yeah. So just those kind of things that I really want to help people with. And that's, you know, it's not easy. It's humbling, but it's really good. And that's, that's what we really want for our kids, right? We want them to become respectful, responsible, loving, caring kind of people. So we need to be that even if that means being those things to people that we are no longer married to. And that's not always fun. It's not always easy, 
But we tell our kids, again, if a kid, if you're, one of your kids comes home from school and they say, this kid was being mean to me and you say, great, tomorrow, punch him in the face. <laughs> like, we're not going to give that as much as we don't want to. That's not what we say. We say, okay, well, have you tried being nice to him? Have you tried talking with a teacher about it? Have you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Now, sometimes, and I'll be the first to admit it, sometimes I've told my kids, if this continues, handle it and I'll go buy you ice cream. But that's after we've exhausted all the other options all of measures, yeah. be nice to them, talk with their talk with the teacher. I will talk with their parents. Like we're gonna ha- we're gonna do everything else we can to yeah, avoid a physical yeah. confrontation. Yeah. Right. But we tell our kids you need to be nice to people even if they're mean to you. We need to be we need to remember that as adults too. Right. And that's you know, that's not always easy, but it is what we're that's what we're called to do, is what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. <laughs> here's the thing the fact that you're willing to work on it says volumes about your character that's a wonderful thing it says tons that you're willing to even consider it because a lot of parents i so i gave this presentation at a um a rotary club or a kiwanis club a couple yeah. weeks ago and i opened it up to questions at the end i kid you not the very first question i got the lady said so i'm i'm not divorced but one of my daughters is divorced and um here's my question. You go and you talk with blended families about this stuff, right? And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, how do you talk with parents about this and not get punched in the face? (laughs) That was her legitimate question. She was not kidding. She was not ironic. (laughs) She was complete. How do you do this and not get punched in the face? And I said, well, I studied a lot of Muhammad Ali. (laughs) So I look like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Like you learn to bob and we, no, I said, the thing is you've got to approach it. You got to come at it from a place of compassion. I understand when I tell you these things, your first reaction is going to be to push back and go, nope, you don't understand. And I'm going to say, you're correct. I don't understand. I don't understand your pain because I'm not where you are. I've been through it, but I've been through mine, not yours. I I don't understand your pain. I don't understand your specific hurts and issues. Here's what I do know. You have kids that are watching you. That's what I do. know. You have kids that are looking to you to show them how to be an adult. And the question is, what kind of adult do you want your kids to become? That's what I do know. Mm. Yeah, and again, it's not easy, but it's helped me not get punched in the face. So that's that so that's good. Right. It, yeah, not getting punched in the face always better than punched in the face. Right. <laughs> I was just always just general life advice, you know, not getting punched better than getting punched. So, what advice would you give to, I guess, maybe singles and people who are married? Because um, you do have singles who have kids, but they mm-hmm. they, they want to be married and. This yeah. may be a scary issue for them, you know. Absolutely. Like, what advice would you give to someone who wants to be married or is married and dealing with the blended family? Well, I I give two different pieces of advice actually. Um, to to the people who are single and have kids and are interested in dating, I would say a couple of things. One, I would say go very slowly. And two, until you are ninety nine percent sure that you're going to marry that person that you're dating, don't introduce them to your kids. Amen. Because if you introduce them to your kids and then you break up. You've just confused them. Right. And how many times are you going to do that? Right. And that's really hard. And I know that that may sound, um, I don't know what it sounds like. It's, it sounds not, it's not selfish, but it sounds, I don't know, like unfair to the adult. Yeah, well, yeah, like I can't, yeah. whatever it is, but I'm just telling you, if you're actually going to, if you're going to love your kids and put their needs in front of your own, you need to protect them. And part of protecting them is not introducing them to people who aren't going to be in the picture long term. That's, so that's the, that's the advice I would give someone who is saying, I would also say, don't rush it. Because even if you meet someone and you click perfectly and you think this is going to be wonderful after you're married, it's going to get hard yes. Yes. because issues are going to pop up that yeah. you think, I didn't even know that was a thing that could happen inside a home. Yes. What, what, how do you plan for that? You don't plan you for don't. that. You, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't plan for that. How do you, you know? And, and again, for people who haven't been in it yet, they're going, I don't even understand. You are correct. And that's not a knock on you, but you're right. You don't get it. It's okay. You will. Um, You don't. And that's, you will, if you, if you're ever involved in this situation. So that's the advice I'd give to a single person is go very slowly, protect your children by not introducing them to someone until you're sure that someone is going to be around for a long time. That's the advice. Now, someone who's already in a blended family and who is struggling with some of these issues. um, I would say a couple things. One, uh, I would say that it's always important to be willing to learn and grow, which means you have to be willing to make yourself uncomfortable. And that means doing things you don't like doing. So humbling yourself to try to build bridges with the opposing, the, I don't want to say opposing family. That makes it sound like a competition. That's the wrong terminology. The other part of your blended yeah. family group. You know what I mean? You, you need to try to build bridges. Well, you don't understand. You're correct. I don't understand. I do know what's best for your family. In terms of building bridges, always better than tearing them down. That's Absolutely. what's best for your family. Absolutely. Oh, it, it's always better. Even if those bridges are built one tiny, tiny stone at a time. So, 
I, I had a conference this past week and I'm not going to give the whole illustration because it'd be a, a kind of a long one. But the point is I use the, the illustration of building bridges, but I think of, I'm a history person. I think of medieval bridges or ancient Roman bridges that were built with stone. Right. Like when they built these bridges, they first had to build these things called coffer dams. So what that is, it's a double layer of trees dug into the riverbed, like planted into the riverbed. And then you fill in, so you have a cone inside a cone. Okay. And the area between the two sets of trees, you fill in with mortar to make it watertight. Then you bail the water out. Then you can build a firm foundation on solid ground in the middle of the river. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. That's your blended family. That's your starting point. Before you can ever start putting stones in the water, you've got to start building the coffer dam. Then you've got to dig the, you got to bucket the water out. Only then can you start actually adding the stones in. It's going to take time. Some of these Roman bridges, they took a decade to build, but they're still standing 2000 years later. Right. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for a quick fix. We're looking for a little incremental improvement every day, every week, every month, every year. So that five years from now, maybe you're still not having Thanksgiving together, but you can go to birthday parties together where you couldn't before. Mm -hmm. Or maybe at your kid's high school graduation, you can all take one big picture of their giant family together. You know what I mean? That's what you're looking for. And it, it, it takes time. It takes time. It takes time. It takes time. Okay. So that's the advice I would give to someone who's in a blended family and they're struggling, right? Reach out to the other family, start building bridges, even if it's just tiny moments. And one of the ways to do that is just express gratitude. Like this is a very easy way to start. That's a stone you can put in your coffer dam is just reach out, just send a text and say, thank you. Thank you for, and then fill in the blank with a specific action. Yeah. And, and that builds it because they're going to look at that and go, that was weird. Yeah. And the, and the first five or six times they're going to think you're being sarcastic. <laughs> Because we, because we can read whatever tone of voice into text messages we want to, right? Right, yes. yeah. Because you can't actually hear their voice. So it's like, oh, yeah. great. They, they, thanks a lot for bringing my kid home. Like, no, but legitimately, thank you. Yeah. You know? So, you know, take it slow. Put your stones in the coffer, Dan. That's the phrase that I use, right? Building bridges. I love it. Joe, I just want to say uh, thank you. This has been amazing. I've learned a lot. It's, me too. I learned that there are other people like me out there. <laughs> a specifically, lot, Joel. Always a lot good. Like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, thank you for coming on, man. This has been it's been awesome. Um, I wish you much success on your next book. Please keep us posted. You know, stay in touch. I look forward to you continuously providing that voice for blended families. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you both. I'm encouraged by you. I'm thankful for what you guys are doing as well. I love that you are trying to encourage other people who are in difficult spots. Like God bless you, and especially I have to say this. I have told my my wife a bunch of times step parents are a, a special kind of special because it is a gig I would not have signed up. Who are you telling? I, and I, I mean that a hundred percent. I would not have signed up to raise someone else's kids and yeah. love them the same way that the, the biological parents do. It's hard. It, I hundred percent. I believe it, it's a gig I could not do. I've told my, I've told my wife that I've told my, my kid's stepdad that I actually told him that a couple months ago. I said, God bless you because I couldn't do what you do. I don't know how, I don't know how you love someone else's kids as much as a biological parent could do, but you do. Yeah, you do. It, like one of the things that my ex-wife has heard from people that they, they, they don't normally mean it negatively, but it mm -hmm. comes across that way is when someone says, well, it's different when they're your own. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, but they are my own. Right. I do all the parenting things. Like yeah. I realized I didn't carry them in my stomach, but like all the stuff that parents do, I, I do those. So please don't try to take away from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So again, God, like God bless you. Cause that's a hard, hard gig. And, uh, God you know, you, you, yeah. Bless me. So, <laughs> But no, thanks for having me on. I'm excited about getting to do this. I'm excited. Like I'm starting to do some blended family coaching with, with families and small groups and stuff. Yes. I'll be doing a small group Bible study at a church uh, here for the next starting in October. And anyway, I'm pumped about it. I love getting to do this. So thanks for giving me an opportunity to share um, and encourage other blended families. I'm really, really grateful. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to get you on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was going to be wonderful and it is way more than what we expected. Way more than what we expected. <laughs> Thank Absolutely you, Joe. Thank you. Yep. As we stated, we're not going to be here all day. So until next time. Peace. See you tomorrow. <laughs>